Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. This is my dad, Ted. Welcome to the Smart Thinking Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Knightsky. Well, here we are entering season six. Holy smoke. When I first launched this podcast at the suggestion of a young teacher in Elkhorn, Wisconsin, I never thought we'd be here this many years later with 272 episodes and 172 hours of content. Oh, I'm so grateful for you. However, here we are, and I'm excited for this season to begin. This year, I will continue to provide content, reflections, and tools to support you on your journey into the storm. Every season of life and year has some thunder and some lightning. I've always wanted to get that tattooed on each of my biceps. Unfortunately, in order to make that fit, I'd have to have it inked in eight font because I got little tiny arms. But okay, let's get to this because this year I'm declaring it the year of balance and boundaries. I had so many great experiences since I signed off at the end of June that I can't wait to share all of what I've learned with you. First, I've learned a ton, and I learned a lot at the Gallup Workplace Summit this summer, and I ran with their research and created processes for teams and communication, and that is what we're going to focus on here and now. So many opportunities for improvement in the work environment and school, so many chances to get better, and so many ways we can create conditions for others to find success. This summer, well... I hosted a smart thinking retreat and we had around 200 people attend the two-day learning event. We focused on communications and teaming and the goal of the event was for the participants to walk away with tools and courage so that they could immediately apply everything that they had learned in their personal lives and in their leadership. I had a bunch of different tools created and I wanted to use this season's first podcast to discuss the challenge of making this school year one of balance and boundaries. I'm going to leave you with two F's and two P's in order for you to seek a successful and engaging year. Okay, here we go. A few reminders. What is a leader? A leader is anyone who has influence over another person. And leaders lead with empathy. And they ask questions like, what would it be like to be in the other person's shoes at this very moment? And they are reflective. And further, they inquire with questions like, if I were that person, what would I need right now? Leaders are also strong in their convictions. They're value-driven and exude the behavior of the buffalo. In other words, when we see a storm emerging, we don't wait. We don't hope it misses us. We see it, we face it, and we run into it, challenging the elements and positioning ourselves to get through it quickly in order to get back to the sunshine and the stars that we find in the clear skies past a problem. We also seek the opportunity for improvement, and we celebrate failure, and we are asset-minded. Hint. Next week's podcast is asset-minded, and I'm going to talk about when I went to Richmond, where Ted Lasso was filmed. Okay, we are also, and most importantly, we, we view excellence and failure through the exact same lens, because they both teach us. They teach us pathways to return to and avoid, but leaders understand that without repeated failure, we can never truly achieve the desired state that we all pursue every day, which is simply to get better. I love talking about, I love learning about and I love supporting leadership. It is within each of us. Some people just speak smoother. Some of us speak with more confidence. And some of us pursue the challenges of being in charge through leadership. However, what we have to remember is that all of us have equal impact on whoever is in front of us. And that is where leadership really makes a difference. In front of someone in the moment. Now, let's get to this week's topic. Boundaries and balance. 
This summer, my team and I attended a Gallup summit in Omaha, Nebraska, and their consultants from Gallup, as well as the research, did breakout sessions, and they shared the major findings of a global study they had done this past year. And I also learned a lot from our friend Dr. Tim Hodges from the Strength Finders Institute at the University of Nebraska when he came to our Smart Thinking Retreat, and he reiterated a lot of the different tips and tricks that we need to employ in order to have a really engaged workforce. So, what were those themes and what did they spark in me? Well, the two greatest walkaways for me, that is, well, the two greatest were simply that we need to really approach the modern workplace culture. And in order to do that, we need to have flexibility for employees. That's number one. And number two is that we need to allow for freedom of decision making in the workplace by the workers. That sounds pretty amazing if you have a job that can be done remotely or a position where you can control all of your scheduling and have freedom when it comes to appointments and workloads, etc. However, I'm an educator and many of you are. And like most of you, well, guess what? We don't always have that. We don't have like flexibility in the workplace. We can't just come to work when we want to. We have very specific things that we have to do. (sighs) It sounds pretty amazing, right? However... It hit me as I was jogging between Omaha and Iowa across the river, the Missouri River. So weird. Anyways, we actually do and we need to utilize that flexibility that we actually have. And we need to control what we can control in order to find a way to make being an educator, staff member in a school or an administrator, and help us be the people we need to be so we can move into the 21st century workforce. So I was jogging on a bridge while at the conference. That was... (laughs) The bridge I was just talking about. And it has a line stamped in the concrete halfway across the river. That shows one side is Iowa and one side is Nebraska. (laughs) And I found myself for a few minutes just jumping back and forth going, I'm in Iowa. No, I'm in Nebraska. I'm in Iowa. I'm in Nebraska. Anyways, I stopped. And I opened my notes on my phone because it hit me. And I started to type in the words, flexibility and freedom come from permissions and protections. Two F's and two P's. Flexibility and freedom permissions, and protections. Before I get into the difference or the meanings, I want you to think about all of the conditions in your world that are beyond your control and create discomfort or disengagement for you. Because most of them, if you're like me, are things that other people do or expectations you're unclear about. Unwritten cultural rules or narratives that you, or I mean we, have in our heads. And this year, well, I think it's time for organizations and systems to start to ensure boundaries and balance by design. I mean, come on, it's 2023. Why are we treating the teachers, principals, the staff, and the senior administrative professionals like that? Like professionals? Okay, here's the story. I got back from Gallup and decided to do a little social experiment. You see, for some reason, one of the areas where we are all unbalanced, quote unquote, is communication, especially communication in the workplace and education. I mean, why is my wife, a teacher, who is in the waning days of summer Megan right now, I mean, okay, I'm sorry. Why do those who work in education believe that we are supposed to respond to communications from everyone 24-7 like we work for customer service at Amazon? Seriously, why are we reviewing emails from each other, from members of the hierarchy, from parents and other stakeholders at all times of the workday, then in our evening and on the weekends? Why are we so blind to our impact on others that we send emails out at all times of the day or respond to all or text or call each other for non-emergencies? 
Why do school staff, right before they go to bed, why do they check their phone only to fall asleep anxious about an email they received, or worse, wake up to see if they got a response from the email that they received at 9 o'clock that they responded to, and now they can't stop thinking about what the response could potentially be, and they're in this weird cycle of blue-faced darkness looking at their spouse, wondering, how come nobody responded to me? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, what kind of monster emails people that late at night anyways? Oh, wait. Lots of us. So here's what I did. I contacted a bunch of other professionals by email to measure response time, and I sent them all emails outside of the workday. Okay, Ted, who did you email? (laughs) You ready? I emailed a dentist. I went to school the exact same amount of time to get the degrees I needed in order to do what I wanted to do as a dentist. I also went to school the exact same amount of time to do what I needed to do as an attorney did. So I also emailed an attorney. I emailed my financial advisor. I called my doctor. He went to school a little longer than me. I emailed a contractor. I emailed a real estate agent and an accountant. And I emailed them all a short email which read, quote, Hey, when you have a chance, could you please email me a good time to call you? I have a little issue I need your help with as soon as possible. Ted, I decided that I wanted a sense of urgency in the email, and I also wanted to be slightly vague, thinking that would bait them to respond quickly so I could measure... Are you like teachers? Now, before I tell you the response, I want to share a reflection for you through another quick sidebar story. When I was a superintendent of schools, every summer I would have a visit with a man that had been superintendent of that same district in the late 1970s and through the 1980s. He had moved and retired to Arizona. However, he continued to get the local newspaper from Wisconsin in Arizona, and he would read all the articles, clip them out, and then he would come back in the summer and ask me questions always curious about how the district was doing. In my second summer as superintendent, he came in in the middle of summer, wearing a turtleneck sweater under a sports coat and complaining about how cold it was. It was like 84 degrees outside, so I had a mindset of, this is going to be interesting. He and I chit-chatted for a bit, and then he asked me a very simple question. What's it like being constantly connected to everyone and always having that computer in front of you? He then explained that when he retired, which was before the internet, before laptops, before email, before social media, and actually before cell phones. I was like, what? Holy moly. And then I said, wait, before I answer, what was it like for you? He said, people were patient. They understood that if you called my office, that I was a busy and important person. They knew I'd eventually call them back, but it might not be that day. I mean, I'm the superintendent of a large school district, he said. They know we've got a lot going on. He also then pointed out how everything was typed out by hand, onto paper, printed off, and sent in the mail, or through inner office mail, onto memos that went out and people would actually have to read the paper in their hands, and they'd have to take time to thoughtfully respond. He then re-asked his question to me. What's it like to be constantly connected? Which I ironically demonstrated to him as I showed him my phone, and that it had email on it, and Facebook on it, and obviously my phone, and voicemail, and text. And my answer was pretty simple. It's exhausting. There are no boundaries and no one has patience. As a matter of fact, most of the time my phone rings because someone else in the hierarchy, a principal, a teacher, a janitor, a coach, didn't get back to someone else fast enough. So they just Google whoever's at the top of the hierarchy and they call them and demand that something be done immediately. I emailed them 15 minutes ago and I have not received a response yet. He said, what's fast enough? This is crazy. And I said, well, right now, 
you got to respond within the hour. He looked straight through my eyeballs and simply said, I'm sorry, Ted. He wished me good luck with my upcoming school year and said, I'll see you next summer. And each summer he met with me. And when we'd meet, I'd show him another newer technology, blogs, Facebook posts, the different ways that community members started their own weekly chats, all the things that made being in education even more time consuming and decreased people's attentions and demand for more speed and response. So as I was jumping back and forth on the bridge and thinking about, I was in Iowa, I'm in Nebraska, (laughs) but more importantly, how to support education professionals, that moment popped into my head. The challenge isn't to respond at all hours of the days and be ever present. The challenge is to norm our worlds and set expectations. All right, back to my experiment. I emailed all of these quote-unquote professionals. So here's what I did. I contacted them. I sent them an email. And I emailed a dentist, an attorney, a financial advisor, a doctor, a contractor, a real estate agent, an accountant. And I emailed them a very short email. Remember, it said, hey, when you have a chance, could you please email me a good time to call you? I have a little issue that I need your help with as soon as possible. I emailed them all at 7.30 p.m. at night in the middle of the work week. The real estate agent, well, he was the first to respond to me. The next morning at 10 o'clock. The story for others was very different. My dentist's assistant called me two days later, and she indicated that, quote, the dentist doesn't email. (laughs) My doctor got back to me a day and a half later and indicated that he was just seeing the email and wanted to know what I needed. My attorney took exactly one week to respond. The accountant, two business weeks to respond. And my financial advisor, he still hasn't emailed me back. It's August 11th as I'm recording this, and I emailed him in the middle of July. Ted, what's your point? Well, I had no expectations for them to respond to me because they're professionals and only wonders of how long it would take for them to get back to me. These are all men and women I know both professionally and personally. And I figured the statement in the email that stated, I have a little issue, would get them to respond promptly. Well, promptly for them was all different. A day, day and a half, two days, the next morning, two weeks, and never. When I eventually ran into each of them, we had a conversation about how they don't email. And then I turned the tables and asked them, do you agree that all professionals should have the same expectations when it comes to emails and the times to respond and the context of which they do respond? And they just said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I said, how about my friends who are teachers, principals, and superintendents of school? And my favorite response was, well, you know what? Actually, I've always been impressed by how quickly they get back to me when I email them at night. And I asked them this, do you expect that? And they said, no. What's the point of all this? It's time for us as school systems to establish balance and boundaries for our workforce. And most importantly, to create flexibility and freedom by giving permissions and expectations set all the way from the top by the board, the superintendent of schools, the principals, team leaders, department leaders, etc. And staff has to actually follow through and live by them. So the first step is to have people reflect individually on their work and communication habits. So I made an assessment tool that we used this summer, which turned out to be very purposeful. Everyone is in a different season of life and career. When you're working, some of us have no kids in the house. Some of us are single. Some of us have partners. Some of us are newly married. Some of us have newborns. Others of us have kids in the middle of their careers. Others of us are caring for our aging parents. Others of us have farms and pets and 3,000 different ways that we are always doing different things that could impact our ability to be in all places all the time for everyone. Yet, for some reason, because of all those things going on in our personal lives, we still believe we're supposed to be there all the time when somebody contacts us. So the tool, 
It has a few reflections. It's four-page tool that you can find on the CISA 6 website when you search for Buffalo Leadership and find Communication Audit. All right, the tool. So it has a variety of different things on here that I want you to be paying very close attention to. The very first thing that we do when we ask everybody to use this tool is to fill out all the different components and questions so that we can review for ourselves and put ourselves in a position to have a clear understanding of what our norms are. Now, the first thing we're going to ask everybody is, what's your normal work day? Like, when do you plug in and unplug? So for me, it's like 5.45 in the morning to 7 at night. But again, I'm in a different season of life. And what we want to do is we want to see from everybody, when is it that you're plugged in and that you unplug? When is it in your day that you would like feedback or your year or your month? What are your communication preferences? Do you prefer in person, by phone, text, instant message, Zooms, email, snail mail? What are they? Because you have to create the conditions in your culture to understand all of these things about the people that you serve. What's your favorite form of communication? And then describe them. For me, a few years ago, I received a card in the mail that was actually a video card. It was incredible. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Here I am looking at this card and it shows a guy in a picture. It's a video inside of a card. And he's like, hey, Ted, I'm from blah, blah, blah company. And I really wanted you to know that I think you have the real opportunity. I was floored. And my second one is a handwritten note. The other thing to find out from everybody is how many emails do they receive in a day that have that they have to take like five or 10 minutes in order to respond to, like a real email, not from a vendor. Ask everybody what it is that they expect a response time from their emails. Like if I send an email, how much time do I think is fair for people to respond to me? But then also ask them, how much time do they take to respond to others? Again, you're collecting this from everybody to get the norms so that you can put in place the conditions to say like, it's fair for us to respond to emails in 48 hours. What is the purpose of email? What is the purpose of internal communication? Is it immediate communication? Is it communicate vision? Is it operational alignment? Or like I have on here, to invade my life and demotivate me. <laughs> How many replies before we should stop and talk back and forth between people? That's something that personally drives me wild. When you get on a big reply chain and all of a sudden you can't even remember what people are talking about, but it just keeps going back and forth. Pick up the phone. An email should never exceed how many words. An email should never have what in it. Bold text, colored fonts, spelling errors, links to more things. And then it goes on to ask you a variety of different questions. And then the last question it asks you is, do you sleep with your phone by your bed? Do you sleep by your, with your phone by your bed? Think about that for a second. That's a great question to ask because that will show you whether or not people are balanced. Okay. Now, once everyone has reflected on the tool and filled it out, the leadership creates a set of norms and expectations around the communications because you're going to collect all of those. You're going to put in place the boundaries as an organization and the norms. People talk about whether the whether or whether or not they want to be emailed. And most importantly, the system creates protections that will allow for flexibility. I believe that the school systems that first crack staff engagement will have student performance and attendance at levels unprecedented. And most importantly, they'll have sustainable results for kids. Why? Well, the research is pretty clear. In the 21st century, employees that feel cared for, have flexibility and choices, perform better and have stronger life indicators of balance. Now, what is stopping a school system from emailing me, a dad, and setting expectations about email and communications? Something like this. Dear Mr. Knightsky, we are in the blah, blah, blah school district, and we believe that our staff is highly committed to the success of our community and your son or daughter. We also believe in having a highly engaged workforce. 
Further, we understand that we are here to serve the needs of students first, and as a result, we're asking you to recognize that our staff is not expected to respond to emails after 4 p.m. or before 7.30 p.m., and they are expected not to email or to respond to inquiries on the weekends. In other words, please recognize that Saturdays and Sundays you will not get a response. In addition, we ask that you demonstrate patience with our staff as they are working diligently during the school day to meet your son or daughter's educational needs and as a result of our staff having as a result our staff has 48 hours to respond to emails sent to them with inquiries. If the communication is critical and more timely, please contact the office by phone and we will route the issue to the most appropriate person on our staff. Yours truly, sincerely, love <laughs> whomever If my dentist emails me back days later and I'm cool and understanding and my financial advisor tells me, Ted, I don't do email and don't ever expect one and he's in charge of my entire financial picture and I'm understanding, why can't we treat the educational environment and education profession the same way? We've created this monster and now it's time to lop its head off and regenerate it with balance and boundaries. That's the protection. Now let's talk about the permissions. Flexibility, protection right? Let's do this. People are going to need permissions in order to take the risks and follow through. Permissions are what the leadership team needs to put together with expectations around the work. I mean, you actually have to type these out. You have permission to do blankety, blankety, blank. And here's what they sound like. You do not need to answer emails once you've left the building. We expect you to have life balance. We want you to put your family first. However, and however that is defined by you. You can attend an IEP virtually if we schedule them in a conflict with your time out of the building. You can focus on self-care during the workday. You can say no if the meetings scheduled during the day are backing up against your workload or you've got multiple meetings which do not allow you to prepare or plan appropriately for your students. Please tell us if that's happening. We don't always know what your your individual schedule looks like and we don't always know that we're making your life worse. So you have permission to tell us. You also have our permission to be a professional, and if there's a problem, we'll discuss it. Flexibility. Freedom to have choice and voice in the decisions that impact your work. Protections in the form of clear expectations and permissions to be who you need to be without guilt. Well, this is actually called empowerment. Wouldn't that be awesome? This is the year that we have to take a clear look at the conditions we are creating for others and make certain that we advocate for the core needs of ourselves and those around us. No more unreasonable expectations. Heck, let's just have clear expectations for communication standards, for email timelines, and make it clear that we will not only support them, but we'll support you. So let's do some smart thinking. List the boundaries that you can establish for yourself and others. Describe a process you can use to collect your culture's communication needs and expectations. List one communication habit you need to address in yourself, like emailing people at 1 a.m. That's it. That's the Smart Thinking Podcast. Hey, thank you for listening and fueling me as we enter another season. My goal is to always get to you, get to you and get you thinking, reflecting, and hopefully acting in a way that supports your leadership and the impact you have on others. So thanks for the privilege of being with you in your car, on your walk, in your office. Or as one person told me once, I love it on Sunday nights when your podcast comes out because I listen while I fold the laundry. No matter what, no matter where, no matter how. Thank you for the faith in my leadership, my learning, and 
what I share with you. Also, please remember to join me on social media at Ted Knightsky, IV, the fourth on Facebook, Smart Thinking on Facebook, or on LinkedIn. And finally, wow, thank you to the Well Pennies for all these years of support and being so generous to allow me to use your music. All right, as we close out, I hope I have you thinking about all of this. But, and this is a giant but, no matter what you put in place, what you expect or policies you write, it will only work if you model what you expect and if you enforce your expectations. In our organization, where I work, we've had an expectation for four years called Between the Sevens. No one, and I mean no one, is allowed to email after 7 p.m. or before 7 a.m. Monday through Friday. And if they do, (laughs) they get a phone call or an email, and many times from me, because we're going to call them out on it, because there's no reason. Shy of an emergency to email people about anything. Or if it is an emergency, frankly, call us. So... There is zero reason or zero use for sending emails in the evening and disrupting people's lives. Just pick up the phone if it's that important. Hear me, please. When you email late in the evening or early into the morning, you may not think you're being invasive. You're probably thinking you're being efficient, but you are sending a message to your culture. When you think it's impressive that you come in at 6.30 a.m. and leave at 7 o'clock at night, you're also telling the culture that they need to do the same. And that creates a system of disengagement, bitterness, and frustration. There is no do as I say, not as I do culture. It's always do what you do or work against what you do. And that's what will happen. Find the balance. Work closely. Ask questions. Make this the year of boundaries and balance. Make this the year that you eliminate frustrations. Make this the year that you give permissions and you put in place the processes necessary in order for those around you to be the best versions of themselves. I mean, this is the year. This is the 21st century. We're 23 years into it. It's time to be balanced and have boundaries in the educational world. Be Buffalo this week and charge into the storm. You know why? Because it'll totally be worth it.